0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch.
1: Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martini's coming up. It is Thursday on the Three Martini Lunch, and we're so glad that you are with us. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online, is in for Jim Garrity today. Rob is also the co-founder of Ricochet and co-host of the Glop and Ricochet podcast. Our sponsor today is Bowl & Branch, really fantastic sheets, bowlandbranch.com. We actually have a good martini today. We have good, bad, and crazy. So, I mean, I think just having a good martini, Rob, is almost a good martini in and of itself these days.
0: I think you're right. I mean, it's a sort of a way... Would you just cancel Friday and just call this Friday? Because you don't... We're not going
1: to have two good ones in a row. It seems unlikely. But uh, before we get into the good, bad, and crazy martinis, today is July 23rd. And sadly, in 2020, that means it's opening day for Major League Baseball. And for those who have been starved for live sports, it's an exciting day. For those who love baseball, it's an exciting day. But Rob, on a political sense, great satire from the Washington Free Beacon today, taking aim at your defending world champion, Washington Nationals, for violating all the woke rules. Now, these are rules (laughs) that have since come into play since the nationals won the world series back in October, but uh, let, let's, let's just look at the problems here. He talks about how they have the racing president's game. That's in the middle of the fourth inning. I assume they're still going to do that with no fans in the seats, but who knows? And so it's uh, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. And I think they've added William Howard Taft full time. He's not on Mount Rushmore, but uh, obviously the other four are thoroughly problematic. So the Washington, yeah, no, no room
0: for him. on Mount Rushmore to be fair.
1: <laughs> Well, no, I'm not sure there is a mountain big enough to include Taff. And then also, of course, the mascot, if you've been to the Nationalist Games, is an eagle. And as we all know from USA Today, uh, since Trump has some campaign gear with an eagle, that it's really reminiscent of the Nazi era. And what the Free Beacon didn't get into is that the name Nationals itself could be used to fuel nationalism. So, (laughs) I mean, they're just violating everything here as they start the new season, Rob.
0: First of all, it's kind of weird. Again, we have to remind ourselves: we're the end of July, and we're talking about oh, they're beginning the baseball season. Where does it end, really? Because you can once you add eagles into it, you're going to have to add all sorts of things. Stars? Why not stars? I mean, like we have a bunch of stars on our flag. I'm sure that that's a symbol of something terrible. And stripes sounds, you know, like prison. I mean, I don't know. You can keep, keep going. The good news, of course, is like um, as always, the business of sports, right? So uh, the first triple header of the season Saturday, nine hours of games on Saturday. Um, and apparently, according to Fox, the um, there's n- there are no ads. So uh, there'll be plenty, plenty of ad breaks in all of these games. Um, it'll feel just like a regular baseball season where every time you look at the TV, there's a commercial giving you plenty of time to get on Twitter and complain about the iconography of uh, baseball.
1: <laughs> well, stars is clearly a problem, Rob, because there were stars yeah. on the Confederate flag. So...
0: Uh, yes, yeah, and yeah, there's, I mean, and, and uh, there's, a, there's probably something weirder, like like the stars are uh, you know in the sky, and they've been colonized and turned into uh, <laughs> you know they, they are actual suns of other areas other solar systems, and we've just turned them into little mythic stories we tell each other, so there's all, there's all sorts of like problematic areas that we haven't even discovered are problematic
1: yet. I really hope that people don't jump on these things. We're just having fun with it, obviously, but uh, <laughs> you just never know anymore. I mean, there's most to get rid of the Texas Rangers mascot. The Cleveland Indians is still under right. review, which means they're probably going to change it. Well, they the st- mascot
0: itself is kind of a bad idea, right? The, having a mascot, having this often, it's either a, a figure, but it's a, it's also an animal that is often you know encaged and enslaved <laughs> to you know, caper around and make the people cheer for their home team, so... Um, now that I really think about it, there should be no mascots at all. And no cheering. And the good thing is that there, there's no, uh, there are no spectators in any of these games, which is good because, as you know, spectators have this kind of unruly enthusiasm, so reminiscent of Nuremberg. There you go. How about and, that? And they
1: boo, which hurts people's <laughs> self-esteem. So That's anyway, right. we right. should stop. Right. We're going to give the crazy people too many good uh, bad agree. ideas here. So let's, let's get on to uh, uh, bashing the Chinese Communist Party here. So uh, the good martini is that the U.S. has uh, discovered some nefarious activity from the Chinese in Houston, and they're ordering the consulate closed. CNN, quote, the United States government has abruptly ordered China to cease all operations and events at its consulate in Houston, Texas, according to the Chinese ministry, and what it called an unprecedented escalation in recent actions taken by Washington. Late Tuesday evening in Houston, uh, police said they responded to reports of smoke in the courtyard outside the consulate, Located on Montrose Boulevard in the city's Midtown area, local media shared video of what appeared to be officials inside the compound burning documents. Uh, State Department spokeswoman Morgan Ortega said the consulate was directed to close in order to protect American intellectual property and Americans' private information, but did not immediately provide additional details of what prompted the closure. The consulate has been given 72 hours to close. And so, Rob, if there's anything we know about the Chinese... It's that they would never spy and they would never steal our uh, sensitive copyrighted information. Um, <laughs> so what's the impact of this? Is this is this good? I think it's good that the, that the Trump administration is, you know, making it known and making it known publicly that it's onto the Chinese and, and exposing once again how the Chinese is doing nefarious yeah. things. And if you throw that on top of uh, all their deception about the coronavirus and so forth, it's part of an ongoing narrative. And obviously, uh, Trump's going to be roundly condemned in some way for this by the media. But uh, what's your take?
0: Well, I think it's true. I mean, uh, the weird thing is that everybody agrees that they do it. Everyone has complained that they do it. Every president, I think, since they started doing it, has complained about it in, in, and used it as a lever in various ways. The strange thing here is that I think you're right. You, we are going to have people say things like, well, I, I don't know why. Trump is escalating tensions right now as if that's how you judge how to take a stand against the, the theft of property and uh, espionage. I'm glad he's doing something. I, I mean, I, I, my worry is that with all sort of many, many presidents and all policies with China in the past couple of, you know, 20, 20, 30 years, it's been kabuki theater to and I recognize the kabuki theater for all you woke uh, listeners out there <laughs> is Japanese and I am getting them confused more about that later. But sometimes it seems you know, kind of a, a, a show, you know, a dumb show that they, they do to sort of teach everybody a lesson to let the Chinese know that they're onto them. It's awfully hard to disentangle American research interests, academic interests, academic research, and business from China at this point. There are, I mean, I don't know, umpteen thousand Chinese um, students in this country studying, mostly STEM. Um, There are uh, umpteen Chinese nationals working here in American companies and tech companies and and research companies. So it's going to be really hard to disentangle the roots. Uh, The most we can probably do is every now and then nip off a bud, which I think is probably what the Trump administration is doing.
1: They've got their tentacles into everything. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, so we shouldn't believe that uh, we've su- suddenly solved the problem here. In fact, uh, we're already seeing that there might be some uh, suspect activity at the consulate in San Francisco. So, uh, well, yeah, that I mean, that would be surprising to me if that well, I mean, that's
0: the heart of Silicon Valley, of course. Uh, the question is whether it's you can demonstrate greater harm to American business interests and greater harm to American prosperity. With this espionage, than you can without it, without without the relationships that that have brought the espionage along. So that may be a really cynical point, but there is an argument sometimes being made that well, well, with a strategic competitor like China, unlike the Soviet Union, which was you know didn't produce anything, we weren't going to buy anything there. We had really zero economic exchange with them. Um, maybe this is just the price you pay.
1: Well, Rob, as we've explained over the past week, and even when we were together back in June, there's no shortage of bad and crazy news. And so if you're going to deal with it as best as possible, you're going to need a good night's sleep. And that's where the good folks over at Bowl and Branch come in. What do millions of Americans, millions, and three former U.S. presidents have in common? They all agree that Bowl and Branch sheets are the softest, most comfortable, pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bowl and Branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, and carries the highest organic certification. That's why it's so soft. Now, one of the reasons that the founders of Bolin Branch, Scott and Missy, founded the company just a few years ago is because they were really disturbed by the working conditions forced upon cotton farmers in different parts of the world. And so they decided there's a better way to do this. And because they work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of Bolin Branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship, it's really quality that you can feel the moment you open the box.
0: You know, I have had these uh, these sheets for a couple of years now, and they get better and better and better with every washing. They really are amazing sheets. And uh, in addition to that, it, there's something fun and easy and simple about getting sheets, ordering them on the web. It's so much easier than going into what I consider to be the worst place on earth, which is Bed Bath & Beyond. But, they, but the great thing about these sheets is that, I mean, I'm now mine, I have a set that are at least, maybe three years old. And uh, they are soft, they feel great, and they feel, like they're, they, they feel like they're new, but they still have that kind of softness you get from laundering. These are really high quality sheets and I love them. And it's one of those things where it's, when, when someone wants to advertise on a podcast, you think, oh, well, okay, great. The, these, I want them to, to re-advertise because every now and then when they re-up, they, they send you new stuff. Uh,
1: I'm a huge fan. And since they sell direct to you, bowl and branch sheets start at just $160. These are $1,000 quality sheets, really for a fraction of the price. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month risk-free. Right now, you can get another $50 off any sheet set at bowlandbranch.com with promo code martini. That's spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code martini for $50 off. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code martini. Restrictions may apply. See bowlandbranch.com for details. All right, Rob, it's kind of municipal craziness with police week. Yesterday, we talked about Berkeley having unarmed civilian city (laughs) employees pulling people over for random traffic stops. Now, Minneapolis is apparently on to plan C when it comes to public safety because, of course, the police aren't the answer there, supposedly. And so then they were going to this alternative uh, type of community security or whatever they called it. And now that's falling apart as well. Minneapolis Star Tribune. Organizers of several Minneapolis crime prevention groups have temporarily stopped doing street outreach because they say the city hasn't paid them in weeks, even as gun violence continues to rise. The groups, including We Push for Peace and a coalition of ministers and gang members organized by the Reverend Jerry McAfee that helped guard Northside businesses during the riots that followed George Floyd's death, had been working with the city to combat crime, particularly in the third and fourth police precincts. Under the direction of the Office of Violence Prevention, the group started patrolling some of the most troubled neighborhoods, talking to gang members and trying to diffuse tensions among rival crews before they erupt. But Trey Pollard, founder and CEO of We Push for Peace, said that promised payments from the city have yet to materialize. And Pollard said the group has cut back its outreach since most of the workers rely on a steady paycheck. Quote, they can't continuously keep putting their lives in jeopardy out there and walking around from nine at night to three in the morning It's been a month now, and we have yet to receive a payment. You can't expect us to keep doing the work. And, oh, by the way, their actual police department is quitting in droves, and that's not exactly hard to understand why. So where does Minneapolis go from here, Rob? (laughs) I mean, I don't mean to laugh when they say it's dangerous, but I just
0: love the idea that the the sort of amateur uh, uh, neighborhood patrolmen who thought it was really easy are like, hey, wait, it's dangerous out here. Hey, what happened? All of these experiments are, the, the cycle now is so tight because, it was, you know, it was a week ago, two weeks ago that they were screaming defund the police and everybody had these great ideas. This is how you can do it. So you can do it. And two weeks later, we're suddenly we're discovering that there are cracks in the, in the, uh, in the resolve. The sooner we dispense with the fantasy that you don't need police, the better, the better for the citizens of Minneapolis in general, the better for all citizens and especially the citizens at most at risk. Um, that doesn't mean we don't need to reform the police. It doesn't mean we don't need to have new solutions. But it does mean that the fantasy elements of this, the sort of Tinkerbell quality to a lot of these ideas, needs to get dispensed with quickly. And there's no way to do it unless they actually try. So there's no way to do it. And, and you know, these, these organizations are going to be agitating, agitating, agitating uh, until they're given the opportunity to do something and fail. And they're going to have to do it and fail. Unfortunately, that is probably the only way out. Is for them to sort of like come back to the you know the city council or where whomever is making these decisions and say, you know it turns out that a policeman with the uniform and the gun and the whatnot that's probably the best way to go. But nothing can happen until that go, until we actually have that experience. It's like it's like it's like word problems, right? You got to have a story. You got to tell people the story. You have to have the experience in order to really understand it. Um, and we have had lost the thread of the experience past month and a half, two months, we'd forgotten how we got here. I live in New York City. People had forgotten that the reason the crime went down and the, the city became more livable was for reasons. And a lot of those reasons had to do with the this terrible name, people say, Giuliani and Bloomberg. That's the thing about hard lessons. You got to keep learning them, the same ones over and over again. And this is one of them. And unfortunately, people of Minneapolis are going to pay the price.
1: Right. But I think you put your finger on the problem here they have to keep learning the same lessons over and over again. And so to say that, well, I think we should probably reevaluate this whole defund the police thing is not going to be well received by the mob. And so <laughs> I don't think, uh, well, they won't the, say that <laughs> the woke, the woke mayor there is not about to, uh, to, to admit that. And so it's kind of like communism, right? Uh, no, the idea is right. It just hasn't been implemented correctly. And so some other city's going to do it and come up with the same horrible results. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we talked yesterday, Berkeley's going to try a version of this. Everyone's going to everyone's going to keep trying a version of this. And maybe look, there are there are probably some, um, you know, at the end of this process, two, three, four, five years from now, we'll be able to say, well, you know, look, this is that I, this was an actual reform, X or Y or Z actual reform was useful. But um, mostly the answer to all these questions is has been more cops on the street out of cars. And the effect of all these sort of riots and all this publicity and all these agitations has been to put more, fewer cops on the street in cars. That's what's happening in Minneapolis. It's not getting out of their car. That is not a mystery, what happens then. What happens then is crime goes up.
1: All right, let's get on to our super crazy martini, Rob, and uh, let's welcome in former Vice President Joe Biden, who uh, has decided that uh, President Trump is the first racist ever elected president of the United States. Let's set the context here. Uh, He said in the context of China, Biden very upset that Trump still calls it the China virus. He says no other president's ever done that. Here's his his outrage on that. No sitting president has ever done this. Never, never, never. No Republican president has done this. No Democratic president. We have racists, and they've existed. They've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. It's interesting that on the very same day, though, uh, the guy who's blasting Trump for allegedly being a racist, Rob, said that this is not right because Americans can't really differentiate between Chinese and South Koreans. So uh, I think some Chinese and South Koreans would beg to differ. So whatever you think of, uh, of Trump on this issue, I think his uh, blaming of China for at least deceiving us, if not much more than that, is, is certainly warranted. But let's talk about the idea that we've never had a racist president before. I would certainly spend most of my time talking about Woodrow Wilson, who's finally getting a little bit of cancel yeah. at Princeton. But I mean, this is a guy... Who resegregated elements of the federal government? Who screened *Birth of a Nation* at the White House? I believe the first movie ever screened at the White House. Right, so that's nothing. Right. That, that's something that can never be changed. And just a guy who was horrible in, in in so many different ways, particularly on these issues. I think he's the worst president we've ever had for a variety of reasons, some of which are unrelated to race. Joe Biden has distinguished himself with uh, clumsy comments before, but uh, his complete misunderstanding of history. I don't know who he's trying to appease here, but uh, wow. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's as if Joe Biden just was
0: sitting around one day and thought, hey, wait a minute. I'm a crazy old man too. Why is the other crazy old man getting all the attention? (laughs) And he thought he'd say something stupid and crazy. Um, You know, the, the Joe Biden strategy is, has been really flawless, which is to shut up. That is a very good strategy. It's a good strategy for all of us in life. You know, just shutting up is almost always the right thing to do. And even if it's the wrong thing to do, shutting up is an easy thing to fix. You just start talking. Uh, if, if it turns out you, you need to talk. So, uh, you know, it, this is a sign that when that if this campaign ever goes into another gear, which is unclear whether it will, thanks to the virus, uh, it's going to be, um, as the kids say, lit because uh, you're going to have these two guys with tenuous grasp of reality who have a, kind of an inability to form complete sentences, let alone paragraphs of thought uh saying insane things and topping each other sort of every other every other minute with some insane thing to say the idea that i mean by, by the, the irony is that by the standard to go to the racist president thing by the standards of today right it's hard to argue that there has ever been a president at all who wasn't a racist and that includes jfk that includes lbj that includes uh, you know maybe, maybe Obama gets out, gets away with it. He's the first non-racist president, but it certainly includes almost all the presidents that came before him um, by the standards of, uh, you know, today, Thursday. Um, though those standards get stricter and stricter and stricter, and they're going to get a ever widening circle. And in terms of actual presidents that you and I would think are just egregious and out of step with the times and should have known better. I mean, there's nobody worse than Woodrow Wilson. But unfortunately for us, the people on the right We always said if you're going to cancel somebody, why don't you cancel Wilson? And then they finally said, okay, Um, (laughs) now now we got to find another person that they got to cancel who's also egregious, but also one of their heroes. And it's it's you know this is this is not a fruitful exercise, but unfortunately, it's one we're dedicated to.
1: I'm not even sure that the left would give Obama a pass at this point. It's amazing how fast that they've decided, particularly in the early stages of the campaign, before Biden was the, well, we got to stop yeah. Bernie candidate, that they were very upset that, uh, you know, eight squandered years, you guys weren't woke enough. And obviously <laughs> Republicans have a very different view of those eight years of uh, <laughs> how disastrous they were. But the fact that the left who, you know, had this guy as a matinee idol for for a long time, uh, decided that you know he's yesterday's news and and the Obama years. We can't go back to the Obama years. That's how we got Trump. And even on the left, uh, you know, you hear that that stuff. So I'm not right. sure I'm not sure you get a pass anymore.
0: That may be the canary in the coal mine. That's how you know you're you're burning out your, you know, you've lit too many backfires in the forest fire and suddenly you're burning your house down. When you you when the fire comes all the way up to Obama and the and all the way up to to, to 2012, 2016. Um, that's when you know, maybe it's time to, you know, to stop the purges. I suspect that won't happen. I think that'll just they'll find other things to do. The, the The irony about their 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 criticism of Obama is that it's kind of correct that, that, that he is the reason why there was such a powerful backlash. You know, it was arrogant, um, non-compromising, left wing, you know, elite push. And um, that's a hard thing to do in this country. It's this is a 51 percent country. You you know all the things that people hate, who are true believers in whatever faith they have, hate about America is the thing that makes it great. Which is, you only get a C plus version of what it is that you want out of government because it's all watered down. You never get a good version, a hundred percent version. You never get the pure version. It's always a C plus, C minus version of the ideologies that you demand, um, and uh, that's uh, the, what the genius founders uh, envisioned. Um, disappointment for everyone. From government, and I think that is something that true conservatives would cheer.
1: All right, well, let's finish where we started, Rob. Uh, which oppressed mascot are you cheering for over the next sixty games?
0: <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. I now I'm completely confused. Well, I just I you know I moved, so I have a, a you know I have all these like competing problems. But I was uh, born in Baltimore, so I'm I've been an Orioles fan forever. I spent a long time in New England, so I'm also kind of a Red Sox fan. Although, you know, being a Red Sox fan these days doesn't have quite the drama that it did for me growing up. So I got to look at the paper and try to decide. I got to put some money down. <laughs> the, the truth is, it's I, I don't really know I'm rooting for until I put some money down on
1: it. I know they're all uh, problematic. Just just scan scan <laughs> yeah, the standings for the least uh, the least uh, problematic mascot and go with that if you're if you if you don't already have one. Um, I know keeping small bears in cages is is truly horrific, but uh, the Chicago Cubs are, are where I'm at. So
0: yeah, Chicago Cubs. You could it's problematic. Red Sox isn't because the Red Sox you know implies kind of like gay friendly, very LGBT plus with the Red Sox, um, and then Orioles. What's wrong with an Oriole? It just flies
1: around. Rob, thanks so much for uh, helping out this week. We will talk to you down the road. Great. I'm here. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online. He is also the co-founder of Ricochet and the co-host of the Glop and Ricochet podcasts. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Don't forget our friends over at Bowl & Branch. Really good sheets. And you can get an extra $50 off any sheet set at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code martini. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review with five stars, please. Also, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And most importantly, please join us on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch.